0: i'm
1: greg gutfeld
0: i'm tammy bruce i'm steve Ducey, and this is the fox news rundown monday february 14th 2022 i'm mike Emanuel, with a democrat in the white house the gop in the minority and a russian invasion of ukraine looming polling suggests control of congress could be up for grabs in november's midterms
2: i'm telling voters and look it's nice to be in the majority but we need a real direction change and that direction change will come with a big title type of win and i, I think we're going to get it but we have to earn it in front of the american people and they have to tell us they want it
3: I'm Chris Foster. Nancy Grace covers crime for Fox Nation and has a new special about women who marry murderers.
4: And I would look at them, and again, they look perfectly normal. Some of them even attractive. And I kept thinking, woman, what is wrong with you? But they are attracted to men behind
1: bars. And I'm Tom Shalhoub. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown.
0: President Biden spent much of the weekend on telephone diplomacy, lengthy conversations with Russian President Vladimir Putin and Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky. From the United States' perspective, a big concern is getting American citizens out. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan addressed that issue.
1: And the threat is now immediate enough that this is what prudence demands. If you stay, you are assuming risk with no guarantee that there will be any other opportunity to leave, and no prospect of a U.S. military evacuation in the event of a Russian invasion. If a Russian attack on Ukraine proceeds, it is likely to begin with aerial bombing and missile attacks that could obviously kill civilians without regard to their nationality.
0: President Biden told NBC's Lester Holt he doesn't think Vladimir Putin will jeopardize U.S. evacuation efforts. This is not like I'm hoping that if, in fact, he's foolish enough to go in, he's smart enough not to, in fact, do anything that would negatively impact on American citizens. While the administration has been focused on diplomatic options, many are skeptical that the Russian president can be reasoned with.
2: The president had a uh, hour plus conversation with a man he should have had a five minute or even a 30 second conversation with.
0: California Republican Congressman Darrell Issa is a senior member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee.
2: Putin understands when you say no, and I will respond by killing your people. He will not respond to the same thing that allowed him to take Crimea. Uh, He is either going to get Ukraine through the front door of combat or he's going to get it through the back door of diplomacy. And at this point, the president appears to be saying, as long as you don't take too much, I'll let you have something.
0: From the U.S. perspective, the best case scenario is what?
2: The best case scenario is that this reinvigorates NATO. The NATO mission gets back on track and Germany gets back into the fold of realizing that self-reliance on energy is more important, or at least relying on your allies, than Nord Stream 2 and the whole process of becoming more and more dependent on Putin's energy.
0: Is it possible that Vladimir Putin could just have his troops sit there for a time period and perhaps just really shut down the Ukrainian economy, crush the Ukrainian economy?
2: It's always possible that he could get something that way. But remember, he has an economy about the size of Italy's, except for the high oil prices that the Biden administration helped create. He wouldn't even have the power to put these 10 plus divisions on the border. He is, in fact, uh, able to move his military. he's not able to sustain uh, a long period. he just doesn't have the economy for it. and that's one of the, the realities is he uh, he cannot get mired in a long war and uh, these divisions are in fact the majority of his combat capability now on one border uh, which means he's had to make a deal with the Chinese and others uh, well he well his troops are away. That's a reality that he can keep for weeks but not not months or years.
0: How closely do you think America's other adversaries are watching this, such as China, Iran, North Korea, uh, to see how the president handles this crisis after what happened in Afghanistan?
2: Well, I think North Korea is laughing because they can't actually invade South Korea because we have a military force there of the uh, uh, South Korean army, the ROC army, uh, that could be Repel him. But when it comes to uh, China taking a look at Taiwan, absolutely. If we fail here, Taiwan is next.
0: Okay. To a domestic concern, uh, something we've been living with the past couple of years COVID and the mask mandates. Now, all of a sudden, you've got these blue state governors saying they're ending mask mandates. Is it about the science, or is it a realization that their constituents have had it? and they may pay a political price.
2: I think Glenn Youngkin's election in Virginia was a tremendous wake-up call for Democrats who realized that parents care more about their kids, and they now know the teachers care less about them. They know that uh, that mass mandates uh, sounded like a good idea, but for two years they haven't worked because there's no justification for the policies that they said would stop the spread. They clearly hasn't. If you haven't had covid you will have it, you will get the mild form if you're getting it now. And for the vast majority of us, you will recover just fine. And that reality is beginning to sink in. And I've had all three of my shots, but it doesn't change the fact that this virus has become a relatively flu-like virus and no longer justifies the draconian measures.
0: Here we are two full years into this COVID-19 crisis. How alarmed are you? How concerned are you about America's children, students who have been wearing masks to school for the past two years if they've been in school?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm as worried about the, the country we're going to leave to our children as I am the country we're showing our children. Uh, right now, kids are being told that remote education in front of a TV screen is somehow just as good as real education. And parents and kids have figured out it isn't. They want to get back into school and they want to stay in school. They don't want to be there for a day and then have to go quarantine for so many days. These rules have to change to be much more like if Johnny gets the flu, Johnny stays home. The rest of us, you know, go back to school. That has to happen to get an education. But Let's also remember that these policies haven't just ruined education. They've also ruined an economy. We had an economy that basically was 100 percent employment, more people working than today by far. And we had virtually no inflation. Now we have a reduced workforce and we've got runaway inflation and a supply chain that is fixable. But it's not in the process of being fixed. All of that in one year.
0: To that point, President Biden Thursday touted wage growth and forecasts for weaker inflation, even after a new report showed that prices are rising at their fastest clip in 40 years. Uh, Your assessment of our economy right now?
2: Well, real wage growth is the growth faster than your net income. That's faster than not just including inflation, but remember, as you inflate, you increase taxes. So, you know, your real net revenue isn't going up. And particularly when one of the leading areas of inflation is the cost of living in a home uh, and the cost of gasoline. Two things that are very hard to say, well, I'm going to make life changes. Well, it's hard to quit eating. It's hard to quit driving. And it's hard to quit living in a home. But all of that is is where inflation is really out of control and is going to continue to. So if you want to give me a dollar more and then charge me two dollars more for everything I buy, you've actually reduced my uh, living wage, not increased it. And that's what's going on. Everyone knows that their wages are going up slower than the cost of living is going up.
0: To midterms coming up in November in the House of Representatives, of course, you've got everybody on the ballot. Uh, Nearly 40 have said that they are not going to run for re-election opting out. Is that Democrats just realizing that uh, they are facing a big, um, troubling election ahead?
2: I'm pretty sure that many of them, they've enjoyed being in the majority and they've enjoyed being Pretty tyrannical in the majority they don't think they're going to be in the majority so they're leaving but let's remember don't take anything for granted and a two or five seat majority does not allow the kind of revolution that newt gingrich had or that we had an opportunity to have under Trump, you really need to send a message, a a 60, 70, 80 member switch. It's that kind of a switch that tells the American people, yes, I asked for a change, now I expect a change. It tells the president, this president, that the change we want will be a change like we got when Bill Clinton lost his majority that's got to be part of the equation, and so I'm telling voters, And look, it's nice to be in the majority, but we need a real direction change, and that direction change will come with a big title type of win, and I, I think we're going to get it, but we have to earn it in front of the American people, and they have to tell us they want it.
0: Looking ahead to the possibility of a Republican-led Congress, what kind of oversight do you think we could expect to see if Republicans are holding the chairman's gavels?
2: Well, there's two types. There's prevent defense where, you know, you play gotcha. And then there's no, you do real research into the things that are hurting Americans and need to be changed. You know, I, I don't want to see us just looking at Hunter Biden, it's, it's too easy, a low hanging fruit. I believe we have to take a look at all the things that are causing government to not work for the people. And quite frankly, we've got to show that many of the policies that this president put into place are hurting, not helping. If we do that, then we meet our obligation that I think the peop- American people are sending us to do.
0: Could they be perhaps looking into Afghanistan, um, other, you know, leadership issues that there have been on foreign policy and also domestic concerns as well?
2: Well, I don't think there's any question at all that if we're in the majority and you have an opportunity to bring the people of the military, the people who have been demoralized, many of the Afghans who are Americans who were stranded there and you say, how did it happen and did it need to happen, then we can either just discover what we need to change in the system so it doesn't happen in the future or discover what they did wrong, which I think is the case, and make it clear that we cannot have that kind of a cut and run ever again. I think we can do that fairly easily. And it is a good example where right now the only thing that this president has said clearly when it comes to ukraine is that he will not help americans if they're left behind that's sort of a policy that uh, we cut and run on somebody we promised in this case ukraine or in the other case afghanistan we cut and run on them and then tell americans they're on their own that may be a pattern for this president but it's a pattern that republicans have to change in the next congress
0: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is due to celebrate her 82nd birthday in late March. She insists she's running for reelection. Do you buy that? Or is this all about not becoming a lame duck by saying this is it?
2: I think it's both. I think that she doesn't want to become a lame duck. I also think that she absolutely is going to fight to the very end. She's going to raise massive amounts of money and do everything to hold on to her majority or certainly hold on to every member. But when the election is over, if we've done our job and we have a 60 or 70 seat move, then she'll be the ambassador to the vatican or one of her other goals i don't believe she will remain deep in the minority especially under the rules that she created that the new speaker would take over and be able to look at her and say yes we're going to have ratios like you had we're going to have rules like you had she wouldn't want to live under the rules she created because she really did make this congress much less democratic than it was supposed to be or historically had been and it's one of the things that uh, the new speaker is going to have to change as is bring back the ability for people to work together on the issues they don't disagree on and and then fight legitimately on the ones where in principle we have to be on different sides
0: congressman Darrell ice of the great state of california thank you so much for your time sir have a great week
2: thank you for your leadership take care mike
1: This is Tom Shalhoub with your Fox News commentary, coming up.
3: Nancy Grace was a prosecutor in Georgia before starting a TV career 25 years ago taking on crime. She's all over Fox Nation now with the daily show Crime Stories and specials like Wanted, a Nancy Grace investigation, where she and a team of experts try to track down fugitives like Lester Eubanks. He was convicted of murdering a girl in 1965 and escaped in 1973, allowed to go out Christmas shopping.
4: He caught a bus. He did. And he got lucky on the bus. hmm he, he got out of his jumpsuit. Well, like, he probably, didn't he have on civilian clothes, street clothes to go to the mall? Yeah, he did. So they even dressed him up like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. No more orange jumpsuit, civilian clothes, walk into a mall, never seen again.
3: Nancy blames prison officials in Ohio for a convicted killer's decades on the run.
4: Some things the defendants do right, and some things law enforcement does wrong.
3: Wanted streaming now on Fox Nation.
4: Behind bars for murder, they turn him into a trustee. I don't mean T-R-U-S-T-E-E like I sit on a board of trustees. I'm talking about trustee, T-R-U-S-T-Y. He gets a trusted position. He got to go to a mall shopping unsupervised at Christmas and walks free. Yes, that's what happened. And now he's on the run. So I'm honing in on one guy in particular, Lester Eubanks, because this guy murdered, attempted to rape and murdered a 14 year old little girl who wanted to become a nun, you know, just to top it off. She wanted to be a nun and she ends up dead behind a laundromat, attempted rape and murder. Not only that, he gets dressed to go out to dinner and dancing that night goes back to the sidewalk where he left her and then he bludgeons her dead with a rock this is after he hears the little girl whimpering and i just don't know how more cold-blooded you can get than that
3: first of all this was this was in 1965 this happened this murder and he escaped from prison Eight years later, something like that. Well, I mean, I say he escaped from prison. Like you said, he didn't actually escape from prison. He wasn't in prison when he got away. Um, he was out Christmas shopping. Um, are there clues? Again, this is a long time ago. Uh, 49 years oh, has been yes. missing. Are, are there clues he's still alive? Do we know he's still alive to any degree of certainty?
4: There are clues. And that's really where we pick up the story. There are clues he's alive. He has been living in Southern California under an assumed name, living with a relative, uh, actually with a female relative under the name Victor Young. And uh, once that female relative figured out that authorities were getting close to discovering him, he left and she left. And so now we're looking for him again, Lester Eubanks, a.k.a. Victor Young. So
3: presumably somebody else now, probably. Um, uh, And how long ago was that?
4: That was around 2000. So now it's anybody's guess. But we have information that suggests he's still alive. It's believed he went from there to work as a janitor at St. Francis Hospital in Linwood. So he hasn't gone far. By the way, I look at it he's getting closer and closer to mexico how
3: old how old is a guy is he now
4: oh my goodness at this point he's up in his 70s okay. but for, this is what i learned can i tell you something one of the first serial rapists i ever prosecuted was in his 60s i had to go to the archives to get his oldest files he started uh, molesting his own children stepdaughters natural daughters 30 years before and was still at it in his 60s so just because this guy's in his 70s uh he's an old goat that needs to be behind bars he's a mean old goat and he will kill again so
3: lester eubanks has, is on the federal marshals what is it, 15 most wanted list um yes he is these cases are they actively worked on or do, you know do they just kind of wait for tips to come across the transom if something's this old
4: You know, uh, my first investigator, bodyguard, went on to become the U.S. Marshal for the Northern District of Georgia. Fine, fine man, former NFLer. And they would be out on the street every single day trying to catch fugitives. You know, we were talking the other day. I was responding to a statement from the White House press secretary about what is soft on crime. Well, I nearly did a backflip. One aspect of soft on crime is not helping our U.S. Marshals and fugitive squads find known perpetrators. I don't mean people that have been charged and they haven't been convicted. I mean, people that have been convicted by juries and have managed to slip through the fingers of justice and are on the run and they will offend again. Uh, Yes, of course, they're actively, actively looking. But when you don't get support and you don't get money, that's what support means, by the way, money. When you don't get the money and support from the federal government, it's hard for the U.S. Marshals. And they lay their lives on the line every day.
3: Do the people in the Marshals Service you talk to feel understaffed, underfunded, underappreciated?
4: Yes, and it's a horrible feeling when you believe in something so strongly, you're risking your life and your your family's lives. Because what are they going to do when you don't come home to dinner one night? Well, how do they feel when you're in jeopardy doing your job? They feel horrible. They're out there laying it all on the line and feel not only underappreciated, but understaffed. And underfunded.
3: Nancy has another Fox Nation special out just in time for Valentine's Day, Marrying a Murderer, a Nancy Grace investigation about women like Teresa Roberts, who marry convicted killers.
4: Cameron Evans, my fourth husband, second murderer mm-hmm. husband.
3: He was convicted of beating one of his baby twin daughters to death. He says he had a curb with their stroller and fell on one of them.
4: So she had injuries that looked like she was beaten. Now, do I believe that story? I do. So long story short with these women, they meet these guys very often behind bars and fall hook, line, and sinker for their stories. Um, And of course, the women always listen to their sad stories, they start believing in them, and then they start their quote, fight for justice. And uh some of these women to look at them, they look absolutely normal. Some of them are physically very attractive, or at least I think they are, and they're articulate. they, they didn't just fall off the turnip truck truck. So I, I don't I don't understand this connection, this fascination. And I guess a, an easy one to identify a story that everyone would know about would be the killer of Natalie Holloway. And that would be Jorn van der Sloot. Then he goes on to kill another young girl, murder her, like he did Natalie, Stephanie Tosiana Flores. And do you know he has married behind bars, has conjugal visits, and actually has a baby now? Why? I don't get it.
3: What is the answer? Is there an answer? I mean, I guess we can't speak for for everybody who's done this, but I mean, is there...
4: I'm a JD, not an MD with a degree in (laughs) psychiatry. I don't know. Uh, Very often in court, I would argue to the jury, you know, what's going on in his head? I don't know. And we don't have to go in there and find out. But what I do know is he did it. And in these cases, I know these guys committed murder. Every single woman that we speak to, and we speak to them in depth. And I would look at them, and again, they look perfectly normal some of them even attractive and i kept thinking what are what woman what is wrong with you but they are attracted to men behind bars i spoke i spoke to psychiatrists and psychologists about it there is the security of knowing the guy can't cheat okay there is the possibility that they grew up with a father or a relative behind bars so to them it's not unusual I mean,
3: look, Nancy, there are women who you've, you may have had friends who said, I can change him. I know I can change him. And maybe there's some of that in there, too. Or like you said, maybe they just they believe his, his version of the story.
4: Yes. And they get all tangled up in it. And then they feel attached to the guy and want to help the guy. It's just, you know, it's very, very odd to me. So I, I got fascinated with it. i um, Years ago, I don't know if you remember, I guest hosted for Larry King for years and years and years. And I got to interview the women that married the Menendez brothers. And I walked out of that studio. My head was spinning around like the exorcist. And ever since then, I thought, "I I don't get it. And I've been fascinated with it ever since then. And then I got this opportunity at Fox Nation to investigate and to learn about it. And can I tell you something? I'm scratching my head just as much now as I did then. I still don't get it. You have got to see this. You've got to hear these women give their story. And see, it's like looking through a two-way mirror. You're on one side and you know the truth and you're watching the other side. You look at the woman and she's giving the rendition of what she says her husband did, which is nothing. But you have the trial file. And you know the truth, it's exasperating, infuriating, and perplexing all at the same time.
3: Nancy, love is love. What are you going to do?
4: <laughs> I guess love is blind. I guess that's one way to put it.
3: All right. Well, I that's, really uh...
4: appreciate you letting me talk about these cases, especially the most wanted may they all rot in hell
3: well it's my pleasure uh listeners you can become viewers of nancy grace all over fox nation uh with her various series and specials nancy thanks for coming on the fox news rundown always a pleasure
4: thank you for inviting me bye friend
2: here's a look at the week ahead Monday.
5: Monday is Valentine's Day, but getting your special someone a special gift will cost you more this year. Personal finance site The Balance reports inflation is affecting nearly all items associated with Valentine's Day, with roses costing 54% more this year, chocolates up 9%, and dinner at restaurants also significantly higher.
2: Tuesday.
5: Wall Street will be watching Capitol Hill as the Senate Banking Committee is set to vote on the renomination of Jerome Powell and other members of the Federal Reserve. Wednesday. It will bring the year's second of twelve full moons. This one dubbed the Snow Moon. Friday. Another deadline for lawmakers to approve another short-term spending bill to avert a partial government shutdown. Also on Friday, the cost of Amazon's popular Prime membership goes up. The annual fee rises from one hundred nineteen dollars to one hundred thirty-nine, and those paying monthly will see their twelve ninety-nine payment increase to fourteen ninety-nine. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Denison, Fox News.
6: Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News hourly update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
5: It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tom
2: Tom Shalou.
1: What's on your mind? Valentine's Day. It causes stress for a lot of people. Husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. You know, what am I going to get this year? Flowers, chocolates, a romantic dinner. We used to exchange Valentine cards at school, but I think now most schools either enforce a everyone gets a card rule or they've eliminated the practice altogether. If you feel silly giving your kids Valentines, you shouldn't. In fact, the first Valentine was between a father and a daughter. Here's how the story goes. St. Valentine was a third-century Roman bishop. Because it was illegal to be Christian, Valentine had to perform the sacraments, like marriage, in secret. So that was the love part. But what about the greetings? Well, Valentine was eventually caught by the authorities, and the emperor ordered him beheaded. His last note is said to be to his daughter, which he signed simply, Your Valentine. So maybe I'll do that this year. Just give simple notes of love to my wife and kids from... Your Valentine, but I'll leave out the beheading part. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm Tom Shalhoub.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com, and for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today.